Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Kevin Weigelt about pursuing no place left, Romania. Family and I, we moved to Romania 14 years ago. Uh, my wife Angie and our two kids, Casey and Ethan. Uh, Casey's 17 and Ethan's 15. And uh, when we moved to Brussels, Romania, we um, we followed the advice of our of our leaders to avoid joining a church or a Christian community and just pour ourselves into the lives of the people that were around us, uh, those that were far from God. And uh, we started getting to know our neighbors. Um, our kids were in you know, Romanian kindergarten at the time, got to know the parents and teachers and principals and uh, those kind of things, grocery store clerks, um, and just got to just we're, we're showing the love of Jesus and, and kindness and love and um, and spending a lot of time with these people. And so we uh as we got to know them and they got to know us, we started having spiritual conversations. And uh, and then as people showed interest in, in more and, and wanted to know us, um, we would invite them into uh, Discovery Bible Study in our home. And we uh, we had many house churches that were started in our home at the, in those early days uh, with these, these uh, unbelievers, new believers. And... Um, and that was a really exciting time. We continually asked people, these these uh, these disciples, to um, to share their testimonies, to um, to uh, to open to share the gospel with other people, and uh, we always got the answer back that they're not the missionaries we are, and they don't want they don't have the training and the education that we do, and um, and they don't have the giftings that we have. Uh, we have special training from Canada and from other places that they don't have. And uh, and so we were very faithful with them because we thought that this was what was going to lead to fruitfulness. If we were just faithful with these people, then eventually we would see the breakthrough. And uh, a number of circumstances happened about seven years ago where um, either people moved away, uh, these disciples, they fell away, or they just got busy with work and didn't weren't interested anymore. And we were at zero. And we thought, um, what do we do now? Do we just move on? Do we move back to Canada? Do we go somewhere else? Do we move move uh, somewhere else? Um, and, and that was at the time when I came across this uh, Facebook post about a, a pastor in the U.S. that talked about a 90-day evangelism challenge. And he said um, he committed for 90 days to share the gospel with at least one person every day. And so uh, I said, you know, I'm going to go all in uh, either before I leave and we go hat in hand back to Canada saying, man, we're, we're, fa- we're faithful, but we're failures. Um, we are going to go all in and I'm just going to uh, meet a person at least every single day and share the gospel. And that's when I started meeting people that were just open to Jesus. I- I'd never seen a ripe harvest like that ever before. And, um, and we would follow up with them. And at the same time, as I was doing this, this 90 day challenge, I started uh, with a new church planning coach, and uh, and he really helped me a lot to correct some of these disruptive, disrupt these these harmful patterns that I was engaging in. Um, he talked about discipling through uh, this concept of 
It's not me just investing in that one person that that I'm investing in, but I'm discipling through them to the generations behind them. And he talked about um, right fruit, the principle that that God is working in every city, in every place. And uh, we're not just trying to find a person that we see potential in and then invest in them. And then if we're faithful, then they will eventually become uh, ripe or um, or interested in Jesus. But we need to partner with what Jesus is doing right now. And if that's not uh, that person, that individual, then we move on and we circle back around later. So we started investing in ripeness and people and we filtered obedience. If we asked somebody to do something and they did it and they shared it with others, then we continued on in that investment in them. So most of the people that we met, uh, we would, they would be very open to the gospel, but they would, um, and we would get follow-up information, but they wouldn't want follow-up eventually either. They would not answer the phone or block me or whatever. And so I was getting kind of a discouraged, but the Lord was doing something in me. And I was, uh, I was uh, growing in expectation in, um, in uh, my ability to communicate the gospel effectively. And uh, he was growing this, uh, this, yeah, this expectation that, that there is right people around me. And uh, one day we were in a park, uh, me and my Romanian coworker, and we met this lady who, uh, who was um, uh, quadriplegic. And uh, we prayed for her to be healed. Uh, she felt the presence of God, was really touched, but, um, but wasn't healed eventually. And we asked her, like we've asked so many people, would you be open to hosting a Bible study or a house church in your home? And we'd always got her received a no answer or, or not interested or whatever. And she said, that would be amazing if you would do that. Would you come to my house? And I said, of course we would do that. And uh, she said, well, I live in a, a village 20 minutes away from here, but we would love for you, me and my husband to come and uh, for you to come and, and lead us in a Bible study. And so uh, we got their, their information and we uh, started meeting with her. And, and we started that, that conversation where we said, our goal is not to teach you the Bible, but we're here to train and teach you how to teach others. And we're going to use a simple process called the Discovery Bible Study. And anybody can do this, and you can do this as well. And um, they couldn't read, but but they had uh, neighbors and friends that could read. And so uh, we met in their home. And um, the first day, it was just that couple. And the next day, it was a couple of other neighbors and a couple other people. And uh, after a month, um, the place was packed out, and we couldn't uh, all meet. And then we started having to meet in other people's apartments. And and that was the beginning of of kind of this this uh this these groups that were led not by me but by others that we were investing in as we would go out of these meetings we would just meet with different people that were uh at the part at the apartment or uh, in the parks or different things around that uh, apartment complex and we started just uh, meeting all these people that were open to Jesus and we would go to their home and uh, start investing in their friends and their neighbors and we would ask them very specifically, who, who can you share the gospel with? Who, who do you know that is far from God, that needs to know Jesus? And then they would identify three to five people. And we would um, encourage them to, we would, we would share a Jesus story with them. They would practice it with us. And they would share that with those people as well. So it wasn't us uh, being the gospel laborers or the witnesses anymore. 
It was these people being equipped with simple tools that they were then applying and then sharing with others. So one of the things that I I uh, I started learning as well was was a person a piece. What a person a piece is, and discovering that from Luke ten verse six and uh, four to six, and uh, and like I had mentioned uh, before, I always thought that that if I just invested in people, then they would um, uh, then then they would receive the gospel and and kind of respond. But I started understanding that a person at peace is not somebody who just responds to the gospel that is open to the message of the gospel and receives it and commits to loving obedience to Jesus, as well as they open their home in hospitality to hosting a Bible study or a house church. Um, and then they read and, 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 uh, and hear Jesus stories and practice those with us. And then they would share those with other people. And so we uh, continually would would have this this filter of these are the people that we're looking for, and these are the ones that we're going to give the majority of our time and investment into. And as we were faithful to doing that, to finding people that were open to the message of the gospel, the the uh, us as messengers, and uh, the mission of making disciples and multiplying disciples, uh, we started seeing multiplication take place uh, among the people that we were reaching. And uh, probably one of the most fruitful people that we've met was a 17-year-old Roma girl at the time, about six years ago. And in that same village, we were walking down this road, and we met her, and she invited us into her home. And uh, we studied Acts 2 about the the early church and what they did. And we asked her, uh, we followed a Discovery Bible study thing, and we asked her, what, uh, what do you feel like God wants you to do from this? And she said, well, obviously, Peter said that we need to repent. We need to believe the good news. And we and the promise is that we're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And said, well, let's do that. And she said, so you repented right there. We said, now the, the responsibility is yours to share this message with other people. Who do you think could benefit from this? And she listed, I think, three or four people. And she called me the next day because we exchanged numbers. She said, I've shared with everybody that I know. And I don't know. And there's a number of people that I, that want to know more. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with these people. And I said, well, next week we'll meet and we'll we'll teach you and train you on how to do that. And uh, And seven years later, we've seen at least seven generations of disciples birthed from her the wake of of what she's done, uh, where she's we've discipled her, baptized her, trained her. She's discipled somebody, baptized them. They've baptized and discipled somebody else up to at least seven generations. And then we can't even keep track of that stuff anymore because uh, we're not in, involved in the process of that. It's just the Holy Spirit is continuing on His work. Uh, we we instilled that identity as the disciple making disciple. And we've uh, we train them from the very beginning that a disciple is somebody who loves Jesus, obeys his commands and makes other disciples. And so uh, we said, this is your this is the calling of Jesus Christ for you, the command of Jesus Christ for you to be a disciple that makes disciples. So it's not our responsibility. It's your responsibility. And we're going to help you in, along that process. And uh, and as we invest in those that say, OK, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. But I'm willing because if this is what Jesus wants me to do, then I'm willing to do it. And uh, as we've as we've been faithful to that and not 
given into the pressures from our disciples to uh, create dependency on ourselves, but say, no, we're not going to allow that to happen because we're being faithful to what Jesus is calling us to do and for what and helping you to, to do what uh, he wants you to do as well. Um, and, uh, and they've been faithful and uh, God's honored that as well. Yeah, the biggest barrier that we've experienced uh, is these fruitful disciple-making disciples. Um, they're sharing the gospel. They're leading people to Christ. They're even baptizing them. Uh, they're gathering together because uh, among the Romanian poor, they have a lot of time. And, and they're, they have close uh, uh, relational networks that are, are, are pre-existing. It's not something that we have to create. So, uh, so the gospel flows along these relational networks very easily. But the challenge is, is to get to that next level of, of groups and churches forming and specifically about people rising up to the level of church leadership. And I thought that if we started with disciples, then we would obviously end with churches. It was just automatic. And if we started with churches, then we would never get to disciples. But but we would we started with discipleship with the expectation that we would end with churches and church leaders. And I, and I found that that's not automatic. And um, and so we've been really intentional about um, sharing the vision with these disciples that this is what church is and doing that from the very beginning and explaining that the church is not a building. It's not a, a meeting. It's not even, um, you know, a gathering, uh, a Bible study, but it is the people of God gathering together, covenanting to get together around his mission. And um, and as we've We've uh, we found these disciples. We we know that everybody is called to be a disciple that makes disciples. Every Christian is. That's the calling of God upon their life uh, to to follow Him and to fish for others. But but we realize that not everybody is called or will aspire to church leadership. And so we want to identify those those clear. Um, uh, we use uh, basically the the three elements: head, heart, and hands. We want to talk about the things that they need to be, the things that they need to know, and the things that they need to be able to do. And uh, we lower that bar of leadership to something that's attainable for everybody. But but we um, but we know that not everybody is going to aspire to that. But we call that from the very beginning. And so as these groups get together, we say this is a church. We we speak that as a as a spiritual parent, like like I did with my kids, you know calling them by name and discerning what the God, what, what God is speaking over our, our daughter and our son about who they are and then calling that forth um, as they grow up and, um, and reminding them, you know, you're, you're kind and you're gentle and you're, uh, you're a leader or different things like this, that God has spoken to me about who they are as people. And so we do that as with our disciples that we, see in them leadership. We say, this is a church. This is not a Bible study. This is not a, a small group. This is a church. Now let's identify ourselves as this. Let's, uh, let's call ourselves this and, um, and live accordingly. And we've, uh, we've used um, the church circle. It's been a really helpful tool of, of identifying what church health is and then aiming towards those things. And a key essential element of that is church leadership. So when we teach our disciples about the church circle. We, we come to the, the church leadership element and I ask them, who's the leader of this church? We know that this is a church. It's not a Bible study or a small group or a, um, 
uh, gathering. This is a this is a church, a church community. And who's going to be the, the leader? And one of the stories about this that I think is is really amazing is uh, is Robert. And um, and he uh, he's a, a Romanian guy that is legally blind. He was on a, a bus where my Romanian co-worker was on the bus that same day. And he was just feeling like there's somebody on this bus that needs to hear the gospel. So he gets up on the bus and shares the gospel open air, just kind of preaches to everybody. And a number of people were saying, hey, this is amazing. Other people were saying, sit down, leave, leave us alone. We're just wanting to ride the bus and not be bothered with you. And uh, he gets off the bus because it comes to his stop. And he didn't know what was going on there. Uh, the next day, uh, Robert, who was on that bus, and God was moving in his heart. He couldn't see my remaining coworker because he's, he's legally blind. But the next day, he hears him sharing the gospel with somebody else in his neighborhood. And he goes up to, to my remaining coworker and says, you're the guy in the bus. You need to come to my, to my house today. This is in the middle of a pandemic. We're not even really supposed to do this. But he says, you're supposed, you need to come to my house today because uh, God needs to uh, work in my family. And, uh, and you have something for us. And so we go to his house. We share the gospel with him and his daughter and his whole family. And uh, we call them to be disciples of Jesus. And uh, with the first step being repentance and belief in, in him. And uh, we call him to be a disciple and to love God, to obey his commands and to make other disciples. And he says, uh, wow, this is amazing. Um, I, I'm going to share with everybody that I can. So he starts sharing with his, uh, his cousins and uncles and nephews and uh, neighbors and a number of different people. A week uh, Maybe a week or two later, he calls us again, says, I've shared with everybody. I know you need to come back to our house and, and tell us what we need to do next. So we come to his, his place. We come in there and there's three families sitting around this kitchen table. We're all crowned in uh, sitting around this table. And uh, and and they're like, well, what, what's next for us? We want to follow Jesus. And so we share the uh, with these new people. We talk about the cult of discipleship. An invitation for Jesus to repent and believe in him. And everybody uh, says, yes, we're all in. And then we said, uh, is there a, ba a bathtub in your place, Robert? And he said, yes, there is. I said, well, the next uh, invitation for Jesus, uh, uh, for you as disciples of Jesus, is to be baptized. Are you ready to be baptized? He said, yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, we baptize Robert, and Robert baptizes the head of households. And then the head of households baptize their family members. And then I say, now, now we, have, we have a church that's formed here. And they start meeting regularly. And it's not just like they show up at a meeting once a week. They're living community every single day. They're calling each other. They're encouraging one another, praying for one another. They're uh, witnessing to their neighbors. Uh, it, it goes much more than just a weekly meeting. And after about six months, and we're and I'm instilling that identity, uh, you know, we, we're a church, we're not a small group, it's not just a Bible study. They're learning stories, they're sharing them with others. And uh, and so we we meet together at Robert's place, and I share the church circle. We come to that point where I'm talking about who is the church leader? Who is the leader of this church? And everybody looked at me. And I said, I'm not the leader of this church. I'm not the one who's on the phone with everybody. I come once a week, sometimes not uh, every week. I'm just here to help you. 
I'm like the Apostle Paul. I'm here as scaffolding for a period of time to help you, but I'm only here temporary. I'm not the the leader of this church. Who's the leader of this church? And they're kind of like, uh, I don't really know how to answer that. And I said, well, who was the one that that initially shared the gospel with you? And then and then everybody looks at Robert. Who is the one that we uh, initially we baptized and then everybody else got baptized by him, Robert? Who's the one that, you know, checks in on you and calls you and uh, and checks in and make sure that everybody's taken care of Robert? Who's the one that that makes sure that that we're you guys are meeting uh, all the time for prayer and and for Bible study? Uh, Robert. OK, well, and then I asked the question, who is the leader of this church? And everybody was Robert. And he said, oh, I'm not ready for that. I'm, I don't have the special training and I can't read the Bible and all these different things. He said, I can't do that. And uh, we said, well, so I, I, I took a different tact. I said, let's just take a week. Uh, the Bible says that that before they appointed elders of churches, they they prayed and they fasted and they sought the direction of the Holy Spirit. So let's do this. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit what he wants. And next week, we'll talk about what he says. So I said, Robert, just uh, all I want you to do is ask the Holy Spirit, and then we'll do whatever he tells you to. And if he says no, then we'll follow that. And if he says yes, then we need to follow him. And so the next week, we get together again, and um, and, I, and I asked Robert, I said, so what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? He said, well, I don't feel like I'm ready, but he wants me to do it, and so I'm willing to obey him. And uh, and so we, we gathered around him and we have a, a, a simple five minute kind of a pointing ceremony that we use and uh, where we lay hands on them and, and commission them as a church to be the, the leader of that church. And um, and so uh, it's interesting as I was about a year, year or so ago, and now God has raised Robert up to be not just a leader of this church, but he's got responsibilities uh, investing in people in other places in, in Romania. And he's got relatives in Austria that he's pouring into as well. And, and, uh, and his influence is growing and the gospel is spreading. And, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to see that. And he looks back on that appointing ceremony as 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 important to his salvation as baptism is, is to his endorsement as a leader in the body of Christ. And so um, when evangelical Romanian pastors say, hey, you don't have your Bible school training, you don't have all these things, you can't be a pastor of a church, what are you doing, you know? Um, he says, I was appointed and the Holy Spirit told me that this is what I was supposed to do. And so he has this uh, endorsement from, not from me or from our our team, but from God, and he uh, walks in that as well, which is really exciting. The thing that he's been challenging me on in the last couple of years is I've always been a Romania first guy. I had blinders on for movements in Romania, and that was the only thing that I was pouring into. When I had opportunities to do training or coaching in other places, I would say I'm not interested in Netherlands or Greece or anything like that. I want Romanian uh, movements. And this is what I'm all about. And I had a, and the Lord really confronted me on that. And it was through uh, the story of, of um, the tribe of God, Reuben and half tribe of Manasseh, 
where they were going into the promised land and they'd already received the, the inheritance that their inheritance with their family members. And God commanded them to go into the, the promised land and fight for their kinsmen's inheritance as well. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, you are not going to receive your full inheritance until you go in and fight for theirs. And uh, from that story, God really uh, challenged me. He said, if you want Romanian movements, it is not going to happen unless you go and fight for the breakthroughs for the other people in Europe. And so that's when I started um, coaching and training and doing that sort of thing in other places. And um, and I started, I uh, founded uh, uh, um, a network, a relational network of coaches and trainers called Europe Multiply Team. And we have trainers from Spain and Switzerland and the UK, um, from Belarus, from uh, all over Europe. And, and many of these are are European uh, nationals, not foreigners coming in that are, but these are, these are DMM practitioners that are seeing some fruitfulness and they want to, just like I do, to pour into other places so that we can see movements in Europe accelerated. And that's one of the most exciting things, I think, um, to see what God is doing through these people and the collaboration, because we believe that, that we can go further and faster together than we can as just individuals. And I can put my head down in Romania and just pour into people here among the Romanian poor and see a a level of fruitfulness. But if I pour into other people in Finland and Netherlands and other places that that uh, it trickles down to where we're at as well. And that's that's the promise that God has given me is that um, movements are going to happen because of my investment in other places. And what's the vision he's given you? Yeah, my vision is for disciple-making movements, to see the rapid and exponential multiplication of disciples, leaders, and churches all over Europe among um, Europeans. Uh, I think when we see Europe, Europe is one of the the, the most lost continents in the world. Um, and, uh, and I think the missions world has kind of moved on from Europe and is looking at other places, Asia and Africa. And, and, um, but, but I think Europe is one of the most strategic places in the planet to, 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 uh, to do movement, to, to do movement, uh, engagements right now. Um, and, and people are, are responding and God is, is answering that. Like we we've seen here in Romania, as well as other places where, where God's giving me the opportunity to invest in them as well. Well, if you're enjoying the Movements podcast, why don't you leave a review or spread the word through social media? This has been Steve Addison for the Movements podcast.